Fox Studios. You're listening to episode 13 of In the Green Room, a podcast brought to you by the Art Phoenix Podcast Network here in Chicago, Illinois. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I cannot wait to introduce our guest this week to you, Jamie Weinman, a.k.a. Jimmy Khan, which is the iteration of personality in which I met him one fateful winter night in 2009, which you'll hear us talk about in this episode. Um, This episode is great. We sound like old friends catching up. We run the gamut of talking production, of talking what life was like 10 years ago and what we've been through since then of what it is to be a performer dealing with anxiety and panic attacks, Um, just uh, our love of dogs. (laughs) Jamie's great. Listen in, episode 13 in the green room. Formerly known as James Henry Weinman, the second, the second, 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 uh, or Jamie by friends and family um, his whole life. But I met him as Jimmy Khan. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know why I said welcome. I'm like nervous right now. Like, <laughs> don't be nervous. My first rodeo and I'm maybe scared. you're, maybe you're feeling like anxiety the way you, you might feel before a show. Like we're not maybe. actually, we should we're talk not, about that kind of thing. We should talk about that. Yeah. The anxiety we get before shows. Um, I met you at a show. You did. And um, I was going to bring it up on air and surprise (laughs) you, but I'm glad we got to talk about it and get it out of the way. So when Ghost House was hip hop, Ghost House was my former band. Um, Two different incarnations. The first time around was hip hop. And, you know, we played with a band, Breakers Broken, an amazing band from Glenview, Illinois. Um, But it was, you know, live, high energy hip hop music. And then... We would do a couple covers every time we played, and we happened to be at Martyrs, and we did a song by the genius known as Juvenile uh, called Back That Ass Up, or Back That Thang Up, if you want to be edited about it and sell it in Walmart. Um, (laughs) And we invited many um, fantastic women who were in the crowd to come up on stage, and one Bleach blonde girl, uh, I think was barely what twenty two at the time, maybe. Twenty two. Uh, happened to get a little wild with it, and um, I wasn't quite a great dancer, but we were all dancing together, having a great time, and that person ended up being who I'm sitting across from right now. So, Steph and I go back, and um, she was friends with a lot of guys, uh, ran in the same circles with, as far as like the Glenview crowd and whatnot. And lo and behold, you started your own band. Um, yeah. And. You're killing it right now. I don't know now. why. Like, I just got emotional that you remember that so much. Well, like, we were like, saying... Like, my, my toes are tingling. Like, that oh, feel... <laughs> I have that effect on women. That's what my wife says. Um, but no, it's 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 just funny how things come full circle. Like, it you know, really how is. we were at Martyrs, I think, in November, December, and what, 2008? And here we are 10 years later. Yeah. That was, was 2008. Went, yeah, late, late 2008. Yeah. yeah. Here we yeah. are 10 years later, probably to the day. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> both of us married now. Yeah. Both, both yeah. married, both <laughs> doing music projects. Yeah. Kicking my ass to the gym. Stephanie's also uh, one of the trainers that I attend her <laughs> class when I'm not feeling like I'm going to die. Um, I'll end up there. She did class. throw up. I yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie's a great trainer. If she, if you had a trainer who makes you throw up, then you should probably keep going to that class. But I need to take a break. So <laughs> I always say that the people that that are in bands with me know like a whole separate side of me. Like there's the, there's an edge that I don't even really know that I had. Um, but the people who take my classes, especially the high intensity interval classes, they get that same intense like. I feel like there's a monster that's in there. You you shriek a lot in class. I was noticing <laughs> you do like this woo. <laughs> And I was like, is that coming from the speakers or is that uh, 
is that some demon in the front of our class? <laughs> I try to tune it out because yeah. I'm literally on the brink of like passing out every time. But um, I do think it's me. It hits breathing. me. Yeah. Yeah. Is that that's what your breathing's I think I'm, like? I'm like breathing because if I just like exhale, you'll hear it. Like, and <gasps> you can't hear me like. Huff so and you puff. just woo. So I do it in tune. Yeah. To <laughs> I guess that yeah. Maybe you should maybe get that looked at, <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe that's uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you wanted to get into talking about anxiety before shows. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. Well, I can talk about anxiety probably for the next six hours if you have time. I actually, um, <clears throat> funny, not really funny story, but um, I was diagnosed with uh, anxiety disorder uh, when I was about 17 or 18. Um, my, my father passed away when I was 16. And I think that led to a lot of grief that I held on to. If we just want to go down the rabbit hole with this. And that that developed into me getting panic attacks like every now and then. And then, you know, being in a music industry in a very high pressure, high uh, stress situations, especially right about to go on stage, you sometimes get massive fucking panic attacks where it is not a good situation that is germane for you to have a freak out right before you're supposed to pour everything out that you have on stage. So my experience with having anxiety prior to playing shows is literally the most intense. And um, I would say you're supposed to have butterflies. And if you don't have butterflies on before you go on stage, it's bad. I would have Mothra in my stomach, in my chest. Like I would be freaking out. I would feel like I would be at the point of passing out. And it's it's nothing that I had never done before. It's just the fact that I don't even know what was scaring me. And that as a whole, I was able to get, you know, figured out a little bit later in life, a couple of years ago, um, to where that wouldn't happen anymore. But I mean, there were some moments where like I would have to have her for basis. It became a tradition. He would have to slap me across the face as hard as he could before I would play. I would have um, Herf slap me across the face would any you really? day. I fucking love Herf. Herf's great. Herf's great. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. I miss that guy. Um, but no, it, it got to be kind of like a running joke. Like, is is Jimmy going to die before the show? Like, hyperventilate or anything. Oh, man. It was really scary. It, it, it was like a joke. And, you know, I tried to cover it up. But, like, it was really scary to, you know, again, you're about to go on stage in front of a bunch of people you don't know, maybe a couple of people you know, but if you're touring, you don't know any of these people and you have to literally perform for people and you're just not feeling your best self. So that kind of anxiety would come with bad habits, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever you could do to really, you know, quell that kind of stuff, but then you're not performing at your best level. Yeah. So it got to a long time of this like kind of vicious cycle especially when we were playing out a lot and you know ghost house where i had to figure out you know i can't keep doing this to myself um or i or i have to quit or i'm gonna die like you know like that cannot be good for your heart and it's definitely not good for your emotional or mental being so um i gotta figure it out you know and i once i was able to do that without like any kind of medication or anything like that just learning how to Take it all in stride and just really meditate before you go on stage, not try to drink your problems away, I think is when the anxiety that I have going on stage now or when the last times I would was the right kind of anxiety. Like you want to be a little bit nervous before you go on stage. You want to make sure you're hitting all your right cues and notes. And if you have to sing back up, like I occasionally do, like hitting, 
you know, the right times while you're playing synth and stuff like that. It's, it's really tough to have that balance. Um, but once you're able to master it, it's like riding a bike. Like, so if I go play on stage again, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing before the shows. And I know exactly how I'm going to stop myself from having any kind of panic attacks. That's really good. And it's such a hard journey to go on. It really is. And, you know, I I think that a lot of people are, they're not, people who don't have it are skeptical of you, of Mm -hmm. what you have. Some people just don't get it. Panic, panic disorder is like, it's a real thing. Yeah. And not a lot of people understand like what, what is making you freak out? I don't fucking know. Like my brain is like, um, but then people who do have it, I think it's, it's good to talk about it because you're not the only one out there who has this kind of issue. You can be, you know, a Wall Street banker who has to be on the floor, you know, screaming. You can be, you know, um, a pilot. You know, maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. A commercial um, pilot. You can be responsible you, yeah, for 200 lives. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or you could be some asshole who's about to get on stage and play synthesizers for 80 synth music. Hey, it's all it's all a responsibility. I just started doing some synth with a band. It, my it's it's hard it's hard yeah especially (laughs) when you're not i'm not trained in piano or anything like that so i think a lot of it had to do with too like sometimes i would have a little bit of an imposter syndrome where i was like why am i up here what am i doing like i shouldn't be up here like this isn't right for me to be up here because i'm not good enough and stuff like that once i kind of broke through that you know maybe midway through my career um it helped me a lot with the anxiety too like if you're up there doing stuff and you're a musician you don't know what you're doing but you're just starting out like fucking own that like laugh on stage yeah. laugh at your mistakes you're gonna get better and even if you don't who gives a shit because as long as people are enjoying it then keep doing it and even if they're not enjoying it you're enjoying it um otherwise maybe you shouldn't do it yeah yeah there's you have to you have to be having fun you have to be having fun. yeah you really and do have fun with the people that you're with too right. it's like the someone having someone well having that like ritual slap before you go on stage sure just being able to be comfortable enough to say, and even though it was like covered up with humor, mm-hmm. to be like, I- I'm falling apart right now. Right. I need this to like ground me. That was like a grounding thing. Sure. In a moment that's, you know, 30 seconds before on st- you get on stage can feel like an hour of sheer terror. Yeah. Um, and not everyone will understand it or recognize it. But hey, you need to, if, if you have that kind of issue, um, it's real. And there's other people who have it too. And Stage fright's a real fucking thing too. I mean, there's there's famous actors and actresses and um, other musicians. I mean, like the the lead singer of um, what is it? Not placebo. Um, I don't know. I, I couldn't. I can't remember. But there's you know people who won't tour because of their stage yeah. fright. It's a real thing. Luckily, I was able to overcome it. But I mean, it's it's real and it's scary. So my whole point is anxiety before getting on stage can be good and if it's not a good thing for you then you should learn how to you know figure it out figure it out yeah i mean because it's only going to get worse if you just ignore it yeah you can push it down and push it down and push it down and then you feel like you're having a heart attack right and that (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's happened i haven't had a heart attack but it's definitely yeah yeah um i've something i've noticed about people that make music with me and now people that have stayed stuck around kind of in my circle of Chicago musicians is that we, we all have lost a parent. Yeah. And it's a profound connection that like none of us like really talk about, but we all, we know we're there. It's interesting you say that because the more I look at it now, the more I, I totally agree with you that 
maybe even if it's not losing a parent, but that does seem to be a common trend. It's just kind of losing someone important to you or going through kind of a very emotional period or, you know, a traumatic experience in your life. I think, unfortunately, being a musician, a prerequisite is having, you know, a little bit of trauma or being yeah. this tortured soul. And a lot of people, maybe that's why music is the easiest way to relate to somebody. Even if you're not a musician, you know, you relate to people on music. Yeah. Um, music's meant to bring out emotion. You really can't bring out emotion unless you have that much emotion in you. Um, and to be a musician, you have to be able to let it out if it's going to be good music. When did you first start writing or playing? Damn. Um, well, I, I played trumpet for a long time um, in like symphony band in middle school and high school. I was always involved with music, but I think um, once I realized I wasn't going to play football in the pros going from a D3 college, uh, I kind of was DJing at the time, too, and I went to DJ. And this is when DJing was not EDM music DJing. It was like actual people doing things. So. Did you bring out? I had like, like vinyl and everything. Everybody, yeah. yeah, I did all that good stuff. Um, I and think we're I, aging ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's like I mean, nobody does it anymore. Um, I got more into the production aspect then after it. One of my friends had a beat, uh, like a big, like a small beat machine. It was a Korg EM1. And I was like, that thing is sick. Like, I want to make my own beats. So I got one and I just started going to town on it. And from that, you know, I started getting really into hip hop when I was about 17 or 18 and then met a bunch of rappers when I came to Columbia College, which is an art school in downtown Chicago, um, which is what I came to Chicago for. Uh, didn't finish the school, but I did uh, tend to make, you know, the greater part of my networking with that and just started producing for a lot of rap artists around here. Um, from that became my outlet as a musician, my first outlet as a musician, what I really when I really realized that I, I was good enough and I could do it. Yeah. When you're such an easy person to relate to and a fun person to be around. So I can imagine that yeah. anyone who wanted, anyone who wanted someone to produce with them, like an easy choice I think would be to work with you. I like it. I mean, I'm super laid back in the studio. I mean, I'm, I'm intense. I want things to be the way that I hear them. Um, I think that, the one thing I do have in the studio that sets me apart from everyone else is I want to see the whole project out from the get go. I don't want to just like, here's a beat, do something with it. I want to be in the studio whenever there's any decisions or any music being made. Um, I'm a perfectionist in that, right? I, you know, looked up to people like Mutt Lang, who did all of Def Leppard stuff, um, the cars. Obviously, he was married to, uh, what's her name? I feel like a woman. Shania Twain. Oh, I, I he did all of her stuff. That. He did so much good music. Um, Foreigner, like, and Dr. Dre was a huge influence on me. The guys who were really well respected for being producers, not just because they made good music, but because of the people that they were too. Yeah, Mutt Lang's a piece of shit. I mean, he cheated on his wife. So yeah. <laughs> there's so many, uh, so many stories like that in the yeah, yeah, and not just in the in in the world. Um, but yeah, the music world, it seems to get highlighted a little bit more. I sure. Um, I, I like to be in the studio. I don't think everyone does it for the passion. I think that I just would, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than making fun, intense stuff with people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something I always admired about you. You always would have something new, something coming out, some new it, tracks. Yeah, it's a gift and a curse. I mean, I, your mind's always working a little on overdrive, hence probably the anxiety. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I'm always thinking 
how to relate anything I go through in my life, whether it's, you know, how good this coffee is or <laughs> Stephanie made great coffee um, or it's, you know, something that happens in my day job or, you know, just being stuck in traffic. Like, how do I put this into, you know, lyrics and music? That's a cool coping mechanism. It is. To be it stuck is. in traffic and and instead of thinking about like the asshole in front of you, you're like, all right, well, here's a hook. <laughs> well, it's called multitasking. You can be screaming at the guy in front of you and be like, hey, that was kind of catchy. All right. Was that an F? Right. Um, <laughs> Typically, there are a lot of F notes. <laughs> I went, so when was your first performance? As, As. Ooh, so... Jesus, I've been performing my entire life, whether it's like in front of my family. Yeah. One of the things I can first really remember is when I was 12 years old, my cousin Chris was a really good guitar player and singer songwriter style and like the vein of like John Mayer. Um, I don't know, like stuff that I wouldn't necessarily listen to. I love John Mayer, Jason but like Raz. Jason Mraz. There you yeah. go. I was trying to think of like that singer songwriter. Yeah. yeah. And so he would pull his guitar out of family functions and like sing stuff. And I was like, fuck this guy. Like, I'm going to do this. Couldn't play a lick of guitar or piano at that time or anything. So I would just lead a sing along. I remember this party specifically. I would sing a sing along of Strutter by Kiss and some suggestive lyrics in there that a 12 year old probably shouldn't be singing to a bunch of. Um, holy rollers who were on that side of the family, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, I could just I just remember the fit the face that when I was like, I know a thing or two about her. Like she'll only make you cry. She'll let you walk the street beside her. Like talking about a prostitute, which is what the song was about. And my aunt's just sitting there like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and then lo and behold, it like kind of shaped who I was listening to Kiss and that performance aspect. So I think that was the first time I really remember being like, I want to upstage people. Like I want to, I want to do that. Yeah. And I played like in symphony band, you know, played in trumpet, you know, I couldn't read a lick of music, but I pretended to because my trumpet teacher would just teach me how to get through things. Wow. Um, And I would make first chair and stuff like that, not being able to read music. That is the first time I've ever heard anyone get through a whole like concert band situation and being first chair with not. I quit my senior year of high school. It was right after my dad passed away. I didn't really give a shit about music at that time. I was more interested in football and smoking weed. Um, Then smoking weed kind of went hand in hand with the music. So that when that came full circle, it was like all right, I want to perform, what do I do? And this is when I'm at Columbia producing beats for people. I was like, well, I guess I could rap with them. And it's like, look at me, like, am I really supposed to be doing this? Hence why, you know, the imposter syndrome kind of came up when I would start rapping. But then surrounding myself with some of the people I did, somebody like, you know, Rory, ADD, and my buddy Chuck, who was in both renditions of Ghost House, who played uh, keyboard and sang. So talented. So talented. Such I a hot dude. So I admired him so much. I couldn't even say hi to him. Oh, I couldn't even talk to him. That's funny. I should <laughs> let him know that. Um, when I had it, my, my, my crew, like, you know, the ghost house was a crew. We started as the ghost house crew. It gave me the confidence to be a performer. And when I started rapping like that, I feel like there was nothing that could stop me when I was doing it. Yeah. I got cocky. I turned into an asshole for a little while and that came <laughs> crashing down upon the first, uh, the first breakup of that band. And, um, you kind of humble yourself a little bit. Um, I don't know. I'm getting completely away from like the, 
context of the the question, but it's all relative. No, it's okay. I feel like if we, like if you and I had like an early load in for a show and we were just like sitting around after like all the gear set and the the sound check, then we'd probably, we'd probably end up talking about something like this because we're just, same conversation. What else are you going to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be a performer, you have to humble yourself and to be uh, a good performer, you have to be completely humble. Like you can't be a complete asshole. Yeah. And I learned that the hard way. You know, I lost friends and I lost associates and stuff like that. And I found myself in situations I would have never wanted to be in. But, you know, 10 years later, you're in a better place with your yeah. life. Yeah, so, that, yeah, that journey is um, it's 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 never supposed to be easy. But right. uh, yeah, and you. I know. I think the same of myself. I, I lost people that I didn't realize that I, I lost or that I like right. kind of like left behind and I didn't know I did anything wrong until like three years later. I was like, where is this person? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm to blame for that. And if you can realize that as not just someone who's a artist, quote unquote, cause people t- tend to make excuses for artists. They're like, oh, I'm an artist so I can be a diva or I can be a dick. Yeah. No. Once you realize that like, that's not the way it's supposed to be then you've really mastered the art of being just an all around better person and a better, it makes you a better performer, artist, whatever it's empathy. And I don't know we're getting, I'm getting off on a tangent now. Like not being a diva and like showing up on time. I talked to any stage manager, any crew, like at house of blues, like the bigger venues, like the pros and like the national tours, they're there on time. They don't fuck around and you'll, you will be, you will never get asked to come back. You will get cut like faster than shit. Yeah. You won't get back Um, in the studio. You'll never be like, like backup singers. Like you won't get that and you won't get another gig. The woman who ran sound for house of blues actually just passed away a few years, a couple years ago. Unfortunately, um, she, I think she took her own life and she was a really wonderful person. And she was the first person who ever gave me shit on stage about, you know, I moved a monitor around that she had placed. And she was like, I did this for a fucking reason. I was like, well, I don't care. I don't want it there. And she was like, you need to talk to me. You need to tell me I'm the sound person. And I was like, why are you giving me such shit? And we just instantly became really good friends right there. Wow. Yeah. Um, she was a really, really good person. She was the first kind of person I was like, okay, you know what? You're right. And that was just kind of a wake up call. Like I was like, I felt like a dick. Like she just made me feel like I was being exactly what I didn't think I was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, rest in peace. It's a powerful yeah. moment yeah. too. I know a couple, a couple sound people. Sound guys, have sound guys taking their own lives. I'm not gonna talk shit about sound know. guys on the air. Nope. Because I got nothing, nothing good, to, nothing, nothing but good things to say about every sound person I've ever worked with every in my life. Every single one. Even if I didn't agree with what they did, they're, I, they're the best. I appreciate the sarcasm that they bring, yeah. and yes, <laughs> I like when they look inconvenienced when I'm trying to just adjust my levels. When I'm telling you, hey, my synths are not high enough in the monitors during a performance, and you're looking at me with your rolled eyes. I get it, buddy. Yeah. I get it. Isn't it? It's hard if if you can't hear your synth, like. It's, it's fucking, really, yeah, I, it sucks. I, yeah, I've gotten a few, I've gotten pissed off a few times where like the person running sound shouldn't have been running sound, but the people who are the residents at venues who they're consummate professionals and they always make it. Luckily that hasn't happened to me in past years because I work, we work with really good people. Yeah. Um, but it does happen. You just have to roll with it. Yeah. Shit happens on stage. It's not, it's a fluid thing. It's not pre-mapped out. There's going to be issues. You're going to have hot mics. You're going to have shit break. You're going to have people slip and fall. I fell off a stage 
when I played with Komasov. Like I literally took the stage was so packed and we were playing in Wrigleyville. This is one of the last shows I played with Komasov a couple years ago. And I took one step to my right, fell off a three foot stage. Oh no. In the middle of a song, not just like during yeah, a break. I ate shit. Everybody laughed at me. I got right back up Good on stage up. and I fucking did the rest of the show and we all oh, laughed. Yeah. I've I've fallen. I like stepped on a cable and rolled on it and just like you gotta planted. own it. Yeah. Own like, it. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I fall, I've fallen backwards on stage because I used to do these back bends and all that crazy shit. You know, a man of my size probably shouldn't be doing. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, and I've fallen backwards and I've you know eaten shit a few times on stage. I think that's what makes you a better artist is if you can laugh at yourself. Yeah. Um, I think it, you, it it makes people again relate to you better. Like he's a human. Like he's not just some some thing on stage that I'm using to entertain myself or watch or that I should be like enamored with. I'm just some fucking guy, you know? Yeah. You know? And that's what keeps people coming to shows is like maybe someone will fall. Or, right. Know, like yeah. The, the yeah. human, the human, human part of it, you know, like during, right. actually during this song, like the bridge was totally different than on the record right. because someone fell. Yeah. <laughs> the only time I ever got really upset on stage is when the wrong notes are played and they're not corrected. Like, after like hey like let's fucking fix this now like yeah yeah but that's whatever yeah has there ever been a time on stage when you had to laugh about something and you just couldn't hold it in yeah i mean if i'm not laughing on stage every single show i play then something's going wrong something then then i'm just that just means we're not having fun yeah um even like the serious shows we were supposed to be playing when i was playing with like another band i had you know project i'd started with a couple friends called down vega um it was supposed to be very serious and very um, indie pop, like, you know, very intense and very um, epic. But we'd fucking laugh on stage. We just, yeah. If we're not smiling, then what the hell are we doing this for? Like, yeah. if I'm not having a good time on stage, then why do I, why would I ever want to get back on stage? Yeah, I love that. I had one last night. We Did were you really? like, yeah, we were covering... We're doing um, Beastie Boys. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Where was this last night? So no, this was in um, the the town of Shorewood or village of Shorewood. Oh. Um, down on I'd never been there. It's down um, on Interstate 55. Okay. Like, quite a few quite a few uh, miles. Um, fight for your right, and you know the three of us are all trading vocals. And then this is something new. I've been in the student body. So okay. This is my. It's called the student the body. The student body. It's a great so name for I'm, a band. I'm a cheerleader. The drummer's the jock. The, okay. There's the prom king, the nerd, and uh, the hippie. Um, I, it's really it's really fun. This is my. They've been around for years. This is my third show with them. My second official club show. With is them. Adam in it with you too? No. This okay. Is, this first, this is my first time not in a band with Adam. Well, okay. I did original project without Adam for a gotcha. little bit. Um, this is the first time like doing just more of like a corporate gig without him. But we're all trading, you know, trading the Beastie Boys, and I forget like who's who, and it's the point where they it's like. B, Steve, voice. Yeah. And I was late. I was like, like, B, Steve, B. Yeah. <laughs> like, I did. I was like, Stuh. Uh. No, that's awesome. And I, and I like, I was like, oh, I'm turning around. Drummers like laughing. And I'm sure the audience was yeah. laughing with you too. Yeah. That's awesome. And they like, I'm, I'm always so afraid of messing up. Like, what if, what if, you know, you know, you're in the right band. Right. When, when someone after the show would have been like, I can't believe you fucked that up. Yeah. Right. We covered the beastie. Like, I think yeah. it's okay. Like, to, we can to laugh know. At ourselves. We can laugh at ourselves. Yeah. Right. And I've been in situations where, like, we weren't laughing at it after. And, you know, people were made to feel like assholes. I, I've been the asshole. And I've also been the asshole yelled at the asshole. And it's no fun for anybody. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, we're all we're all out there trying to work our hardest. But, 
you know, shit happens. It's yeah. inevitable. Um, yeah, if you're not laughing at yourself and you're not screwing up once once in a while on stage, yeah. let's not let's not talk about playing sloppy and stuff. Right. You know, that's completely right. different. Playing sloppy and yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's sloppy. gonna happen. There's so many human and errors and elements that can you know go wrong in a in a show. It's just you gotta roll it, and let it roll off. Yeah. yeah. Have you had sloppy shows where like you just like a couple yeah. too many drinks or yep. something? Um, when Ghost House got to be a little bit monotonous, we were playing a lot of cover band shows. I think everybody was getting a little bit tired of the way that things were um, progressing. We weren't making a lot of new music at that time, too. We were, it was kind of like around 2013 um, to about the end of, two, 2000, end of 2012, then end of 2013. You know, there just wasn't like the desire and the passion as much as there was. And I can't speak for the other guys. I mean, that's just kind of how where I was. Um, the cover band stuff got to be a little bit monotonous to me. Like I didn't want to be playing covers, but you know they were really well-paying shows, and yeah, they pay. They, yeah, they would be fun once in a while, but you know we got to be like our fourth cover band show in a couple months, and you know we weren't working on music in the studio. I got a little too drunk one for one show and just did not give a fuck, <laughs> and um, we did not play that cover band show. We didn't get back asked to come back. I think oh, after no. that, it just got to be a little, I was happy about it, but also I wish it didn't go down like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got way too drunk on stage, played a lot of wrong notes. Um, it's another reason why I don't think um, the alcohol aspect is a good idea before you go on stage. Yeah. Um, not a lot. I mean, look, we're not Led Zeppelin. We're not, we're not, you know, Ozzy Osbourne where you're just getting fucking wrecked. We're not Motley Crue or yeah. Metallica, Alcoholica back in the 80s. Yeah. You know, we're, we're people who are working hard to get to some semblance of level of that kind of fame. Um, you got to work your ass off for it. It just doesn't happen like it used to. Yeah, so it's, it doesn't. It's drinking does not help. After the show, go all yeah. out. Have some shots. <laughs> um, but I, I usually don't drink before I go on stage anymore. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm a fan of like the band shot before the show. I like that too. Yeah. I like that too. That's... You take a shot of whiskey. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Or like this new like student body, they do Jaeger bombs. I was like, you guys, Oof. how, Oof. what year is that? Yeah. <laughs> One thing I do like is the, the shot when, you know, somebody's girlfriend or wife or significant other or even friend will just come up with a tray of shots when you're <laughs> in the middle of uh, a set. They'll just be like, hey, I got you. Yeah. I'm Washington I'll, I'll Apple. I'll take that. Yeah, right. <laughs> or it's something you didn't expect. You're like, oh, oh, Malort. Like, oh, wow. Malort. I can't sing the intro now. Yeah. If you haven't tried Malort yet, um, do you live in Chicago? Uh, it's a, I, I think I feel like a soft spot in my heart. I love Malort. Malort. I fucking love Malort. <laughs> but if I'm not expecting it, I'm it's like, a, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I actually am a big fan of Malort, and if people are new to Malort, I will ruin their lives for that night. Um, <laughs> I will make them drink at least two shots of Malort, which is probably enough if you're not a yeah. if you're not a Malort person. Yeah, it's totally enough. And I like hearing what they say it tastes like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it tastes like grapefruit and dick. Like you're like you know, it tastes like a garbage can full of like hot chili that's been sitting out for six weeks I you guess know? a gasoline but I love that you said the first one that you said because one of my questions for you is a word that you feel weird saying and I feel really weird saying that I can't say dick I don't that's unfortunate I don't feel weird saying a lot of things um yeah maybe the c word is probably one I don't want to say really ever um because it's offensive 
But, you know, I don't really think about in terms of being offensive other than like, you know, I'm not racist. I'm not a bigot. I'm not, you know, a woman hater. So I'm trying not to say like, you know, that group of words that we wouldn't, I'd not say, try not to say, I don't say those things. Yeah. I wouldn't say those kinds of things. Um, But fuck shit, piss, goddamn dick, (laughs) whatever. It all comes out. I mean, this is a a podcast. We're not on clear channel right now. Yeah, there's no, um, there's, Yeah. I hope there's not 12-year-olds listening to this. Yeah, a word I like saying is, I like saying fuck. I think, you know, Dane Cook, unfortunately, this is who I'm drawing inspiration from, (laughs) fucking Dane Cook. He's the one who put it best, though. It's just like, there's no more powerful word than, like, fuck. Like, you want to accentuate a point, like, you fucking say fuck. Like, yeah. and then you end up saying it too much, like I do. Not a lot of words that I won't say, though. Yeah. Yeah. That would feel uncomfortable. Like weird, weird words. I don't like saying the word industry because I say it really weird. Like industry. 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 Yeah. I get a little shush. Like is somebody, is industry. Is it your family from like Long Island? No. No? Because no. there's that shh. That's a, I like don't a know. I, I just don't like the way I say it. Or moist is obviously one. I just, yeah. oh, that sickens people. Yeah. I've gone down like... So there was a particular night in, in like the dressing room we had like way too much time and we were talking about like what vowels make us like feel weird and that oi and it just oy, like sits back in your throat yeah I can yeah. say oi but like the word moi is like the Moist. M the M puts the yeah. oi like into your throat oh <laughs> just stop just stop um prerogative is another word that like I if I don't know how to like pronounce a word well I will I'll like pronounce over pronounce it like prerogative Prerogative, or I'll just say prerogative. Yeah. Yeah, that's another word I hate saying. I think if someone like were to seriously say that word in a sentence to me, I might judge them. Yeah, it's a weird word. It's a weird like word. Like Bobby Brown, it's my prerogative. Yeah. No, like, it's not. It's your prerogative. 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 Yeah, prescription. Prescription. That's an easy one. It rolls off the tongue better, yeah. I think. Sriracha. Um, sriracha. Sriracha. Oh, sriracha. My, my best friend can't pronounce Chipotle. He calls it Chipotle. Oh. I'm like, it's not Chipotle. It's Chipotle. He was like, well, but it's not. He doesn't oh, get it. Oh, man. Yeah. So I still Shout remember, out to John Blessing. Hey, John. I still remember like my second grade teacher like teaching us how to sound it out. And Chipotle. Yeah. 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 Mascarpone. It's... it's what mascarpone? Mar- Ma- mascarpone. Mascarpone. But people call it mascarpone oh. or mascarpone. People call it mascarpone. Right. Or how about uh, gnocchi? Naki. Oh, Naki. Gnocchi. And yeah. brus- bruschetta and bruschetta. Bruschetta. Yeah. It's bruschetta. Bruschetta. Yeah. Bruschetta is what some people. Yeah. It's have a Midwest you been, thing. Have you been to Italy? No, I want to go. I think we might go next year. Yeah. Or maybe the year after. We went to Germany over the over the summer. That was cool. great. Yeah, that that was a place that gave me a lot of inspiration for music. Did you go to Berlin? Went to Berlin. Um, we did a day and a half in Berlin. I did feel like I didn't get to see everything I wanted to see, but I saw you know the majority of it of what I wanted to see. Prague was awesome. Prague was inspirational as far as music goes. Everywhere you look, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Did you go out to like some of the clubs and get into like the club scene? And no, um, I'm too old for that shit now. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you saw me on Friday night, though, you probably wouldn't say that. I probably wouldn't have felt the same way. But like, uh, no, I mean, we like did the bars and things like that. I mean, everything we went to like a absinthe bar, you know, that was fun. That's fun. Yeah. That's really fun. We did that. that we were in cool. Guatemala actually in Antigua and there's this really That's cool. fancy absinthe bar in the middle of the last and like our two new best friends, you know, that were staying at the hostel with sure. us. We all like had a nice night with the absinthe. That's nice. fun. Yeah. I love the, like the ceremony of it. Yep. yep. Yeah. 
uh, yeah. the sugar and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think while well, travel is, I think it's important as, as an yeah. artist, and you touched on that a little bit, how I, inspired I, you were. Yeah, I didn't realize how important travel is to, um, or I, I guess, let me edit this. I think that the most important thing as a artist, or even just as a person, is to see new things, experience new things. Um, and I hate to keep going back to this, but someone who was living with anxiety for so long, you kind of shut yourself out of that. You become a little bit of a... Um, uh, agoraphobic and yeah. you don't want to go anywhere uh, when I was able to overcome that as like not just like stage fright but as a person I wanted to travel everywhere I was ready to go everywhere and that opened my eyes to so many different things it was unfortunate that my band had broken up before that point um, to where I didn't have that um, before I was kind of shut in my little room in the studio just doing my own thing um, I think now would be a lot different if I were to have that experience um, or I, or I was able to take all the experience I had with travel over the last few years um, and putting that into music um, with my old band. I think I would get so much more out of it. Maybe the band wouldn't have broken up. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. you can make some uh, some heartfelt phone calls and uh, perhaps make a miracle happen. Perhaps. Heartfelt phone calls or emails. One, I would one love of the that. Two. I would really love that. I think there would be a lot of happy people if Ghost House were to reunite. Yeah. We'll see what happens. There was a track you guys had that I would play... For my cardio dance class. The like nine to five? In 2010, maybe 2009, 2010. Oh, um, um, so this was our transition phase. We were doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, it was a little bit of everything. Was it the RX music, the one that was on Jersey Shore? I think so. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. We, we like to make music that people are going to dance to or work out to or whatever. Yeah. A lot of people said that, you know, our albums were great for working out to. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like such a driving force. It's just high energy so stuff. Driven. Yeah. I mean, it, it was hard not, even when we're playing live, it was hard not to move around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting for me, like being introduced to you in that way at a show up on stage and then following your music and then learning, learning about anxiety. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, Cause it's something that I've dealt with the past couple of years recently and, and also not knowing that something was, was going on, but like just being, you know, inside doing the bare minimum of what I have to do to kind of like get through the day right. and not, not really creating. Not living life. And yeah, yeah. Not living life and not, not like not knowing it. And then being like, why am I so sad? Why? Well, cause I'm not doing anything. You know, when people have anxiety, um, no matter how bad it is or how, um, life altering or anything like that you have to wear some sort of a mask every day um being a performer you're wearing a mask already you know figuratively or literally mm -hmm. um when you're getting on stage and you're just hiding everything or you're pouring it all out which in turn is also hiding yeah you know the real root of all that pain and suffering and anguish or just feels whatever the kids say now yeah, that you want to put out on stage <laughs> um so living with that in your daily life is also probably a little bit more um a little bit harder to deal with when you are a performer because you only get so many opportunities to really get it out of you you can't be on stage 24 hours a day yeah so how do you, you live with it elsewhere else. you have to find something yeah and I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews with other performers like alice cooper said that his issues in a long a long time ago were not with who he was on stage but with who he was the other 22 hours sure. a day yeah, that makes and, sense. Yeah, finding something during that time, and that's so. And even or finding, like finding a person. Like my my husband has helped me through so many things. Where like if I didn't want to get up and I didn't want to go do something, or I was right. having a breakdown before we had to leave for a show, he was like, 
here is your mascara. It's your support system. If you system, don't put it on, I'm going to do this for you. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome that you have that. Yeah. Is that something that your like your wife has kind of walked through yeah. with you? And... She's she's seen me at my worst and she's seen me at my best. And you know now we just find try to find the the, the middle ground that we can live in. You know and not go crazy every day because yeah. you don't you're not always going to be your best. Um, and she understands that as we work through marriage, yeah. which is marriage is tough, dude. It's not like I'm married. Like here's Woo. a perfect Instagram photo of me. It's <laughs> no, it's what happens every other 23 hours and 59 minutes besides that Instagram photo that you take together and everything's great. You know, yeah. people don't realize that, that, um, life is tough. Life with somebody else is tougher, but it's also, if it's something that you want to do, then do it. Like yeah. be with that person and they're only going to make you a better person. They're only going to make you better because right. they force you to look in the mirror. Right. And if I didn't have that, I would not be as grounded as I think that I've become over the last four years. Um, and I don't know where I would be without my wife. When did you get married? 2016. Cool. Yeah, we were together two years before that. Cool. How did you meet? Oh, my God. At a show? Well, <laughs> this is funny. So um, my... My, I almost said my girlfriend. My wife. That's the first time I've done that in three years. Oh, you're still dating. Yeah, right. Still dating. Phase. You're supposed to date. Yeah. You're supposed to still date your your spouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah you learn that in couples therapy. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Couples therapy is <laughs> a great thing out. too. All yeah. preventative. It's all good. Yeah. Um, my wife, when Ghost House was a rap group, her boyfriend at the time was an intern at the studio we worked at. So I would see my wife constantly. My now wife constantly um she would come to our shows like stephanie um she was at that martyr show actually Whoa. with her boyfriend at the time and lo and behold i was always like oh lurking your girlfriend's so hot and like you know like i felt really bad like saying that because now i'm married to her and you know whatever but yeah a few like seven years later after like the last one of the last times i saw her um i was just on tinder and i i was on tinder for literally all of three days and i swiped right and she swiped right and <laughs> we went on our first date and then i deleted tinder that was all tinder was good for in my life but it ended up finding me um reconnecting me with somebody from the past who i was very attracted to and lo and behold she ended up saying she was like dude i was such a fucking fangirl of you personally she was like i used to watch you on stage and just be like oh my god why can i not have a man like that i'm like me are you fucking kidding me a 40 pound overweight like guy with a mohawk rapping with like bell bottoms rolled up on doing the jump splits that's the kind of guy you would want like we're fucking getting married let's go dude like i hit the jackpot i'm okay with that is that the confidence you you create it like you create a world up there that like if 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 you and you brought us with you the audience came with you yeah so like yeah, she, I love that she said that to you. That's it's, so cool. It's interesting, though, because, like, when you get past all that, like, funny shit about it, like, it is funny that, she, like, you know, she was, like, obsessed. She'll, she'll be the first person to say it, so I don't feel bad saying it. But, like, she also is so supportive of the music I make because she knows that's my happy place. She knows that when I make music, I'm happy. And she knows when I'm performing music and I'm up there on stage, she's like, that's that's the guy. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't able to really do that over the last few years um, since I was kind of without band. Um, And I did a lot of producing the studio. I did, you know, TV commercials and scores, soundtracks and stuff like that. But it's not the same when you're a performer um, and that's how somebody knows you. And it's it's 
it's hard to see them trying to work it out and not having that outlet. It's like you're missing an appendage, you know? Yeah. You're trying to live without something that was everything to you. So when I finally worked through that and whatnot, um, I, she was super happy for me, not just happy. You know, I was more of a pleasant person to be around once I started figuring it out that I didn't have to always have that. But when I did have that, it was great. You know, I played in bands here and there over the last few years. She's really happy when I'm doing it because she knows it makes me happy and it gives me a high for weeks. Yeah. You know, sometimes months. That just, I can much, always keep coming back to that. Much nicer to be around at home. I think so. Yeah, well, yeah. I've learned how to be nicer at home. <laughs> you probably wouldn't agree with that. But I've learned how to be nicer at home without the music aspect. I think you have to remember that we're not going to be doing this till the day we die. It's not a. It's it's not something that's um, uh, sustainable. You can't always be up on stage doing jumping jack. You might be able to. I you're might, a little. Yeah. Di- you're a different breed. <laughs> like, but no, I I don't think when it's all said and done, I'm going to be you know performing music on stage. I will always love to produce music and produce bands, but. You know, this is a young man's game and like, or young woman's game or anybody, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, <laughs> young uh, human. discriminative. Well, then, then I was thinking like, you could say young human. I was like, but what young, if there's a cat next year? Yeah. Like, what is, I want to fucking play the keyboard. Yeah, so keyboard young, cat. right. So you can be <laughs> I'm going to offend that yeah. giraffe or whatever. I feel like year. you can offend anybody now yeah. just by saying the wrong thing. Creatures, but a young creature. Anybody, thing. anybody or anything that wants to play music, just remember that if you're going to do it, do it now. There's no time like today. Because it's not always going to be easy and you're not always going to be able to do it. Does it scare you to think about? No. I'm confident and I'm comfortable with who I am. And it took me a few years to get there. Um, Just knowing that I might not have music. I was actually telling um, uh, Jesus. um, Adam. Adam. (laughs) Jesus. I had a brain fart. I was telling him, like, I took a year off making music completely. And I had a lot of big life events that happened in that time. And I honestly kind of didn't want to really go i knew i needed to otherwise Mm -hmm. i would hate myself but i didn't really want to make music for that long i wanted to enjoy life experiences and stuff and occasionally i'd sit down on my keyboard and something might come out something might not but i wasn't banking off of it i wasn't like i'm gonna be depressed if i don't finish what i'm trying to make right now and sometimes writer's block just would not allow me to do anything i went through a period of writer's block right before i took that time off where like i couldn't get anything done Um, I couldn't figure out how to end any song. I couldn't figure out how to make any beat. Everything just sounded the same. It would just be garbage. Um, But now when I look back on that and I go back through those, you know, logic sessions, I'm like, this is actually pretty good. Like, maybe I should revisit it. And if I didn't take that year or so off, I wouldn't have that. It's all about, you know, where you're at in life that's going to make you a better artist, too. You can't force something to come out. So taking that step away from it is what I needed to do. Um, it got me to be a lot more comfortable with who I was as a person, which in turn is going to make me a better artist. Yeah, true that. Uh, what does your wife do? Is she a creative? She Well, she's definitely a creative, not by profession, but well, she, she has to be creative in a profession. She's a really creative person overall. I mean, she loves interior design and more of the visual arts and things like that. She's gotten very much into the um i would say that's like the fine arts but like street art and stuff like that one cool. of our very good friends owns the gallery it's actually down the street from here chicago trueborn oh and sweet. Um, gillian's connected with her very much um who is also a huge ghost house fan uh funny enough awesome. and um yeah they she's really gotten involved in like the arts and things like that 
Um, but she, overall, her profession is she's the deputy director at a nonprofit in Chicago. Cool. Um, she loves it. She loves it. So she's very happy with her job, who she is and everything. So that's a good support. Yeah. I think being happy with with what you're doing and, and how you're doing it and who and how you feel at, at the work that you do, you can come home and then like right. either let it all go or like come home and have like good stories to tell right. and be more balanced. And sure. Yeah. That's definitely when uh, Adam and I both kind of took a year, like some time off with life events and dealing yeah. with grief and stuff and, and just kind of, um, not creating really anything new. And, um, I, I, I discovered that if I could just honestly just like watch the sunset with Adam. That's awesome. And it sounds so cheesy, but, and we, of course, this wasn't watching a sunset in Chicago. This wasn't like sure. going to a bar rooftop. No, this was like traveling across the world to Thailand, yeah. going through, like getting lost on a motor scooter somewhere in the middle, That's, <laughs> in the middle yeah. of Kabi and then watching a sunset and being like, well, at least we can watch this right now while we're lost. And I, I don't know why it took that for me to just admit that it's something so simple was what I really just am fine with doing. It's living in the moment. And that's really tough, especially in today's society with so much shit going on, living in a big city. It's tough to just really just like look around at some point and just be like, this is cool. Yeah. This like, I'm okay with this. Yeah. I always think of like that, that meme of like the dog who's sitting at the desk and then there's like fire all around him. And he's like, <laughs> this is fine. Like, that's, that's life though. I mean, you just got to find those moments to do that. And I think that's something I'm really trying to do. And my wife's very good at doing is just living in the moment. Yeah. Um, another thing that kind of ties in and goes hand in hand with that is when you're a performer, people are always expecting you to be on. It's okay to not be. Yeah. And it's okay to just be like, you know what? I'm just going to sit around and do nothing for a few hours or two days. Yeah. It's necessary. That's okay. That's okay. Um, you're not like this otherworldly creature or God, like you don't have to be doing anything like that. No matter what kind of music or artistry you're doing, you don't always have to be making art. Like you can also just live. You're yeah. a person. You yeah. Know? It's a R and D just living yeah. research and development. It, all, it right always there, is. Yeah. It always is. Is there somewhere that people listening can find some of your stuff online? Yeah. Um, you can go on. I mean, I'm still, I hope people still use SoundCloud. So, I do. Yeah. I rock SoundCloud. Every yeah. Day. I've got every project I've ever really been involved in that exists in, uh, you know, MP3 or wave or whatever form is soundcloud.com backslash Jimmy Con J I M M Y C O N. Uh, you can always go to soundcloud.com backslash ghost house Chicago or soundcloud.com backslash down Vega D O W N V E G A. They're all, they'll all connect to the Jimmy Con page though. Cool. That's really everything I've ever produced. Other projects are all on there. Cool. Down, well, isn't your dog's name Vegas? So, yeah, that's where the, the name came from. We were kind of looking for a name for our band, my bassist and I, who was also the bassist in Ghost House. And we're like, what the hell are we going to call this band? And we were sitting around in Logan Square having drinks with our wives. And I was like, what about like Down Vega? Because like I'm always saying down when our dog was a puppy, his name is Vega. He's a Siberian down. Husky. I was always like, Down Vega, Down Vega. And I think he actually came up with it. And I was like, dude, that's perfect. Like, it's great. So, yeah, our dog ended up being immortalized in some band that, you know, is, is still existing. We just haven't really done anything yeah. lately. I'm going to have to go back and 
and listen to that. Maybe we'll play out with one of those songs. Yeah, it's really it's like emotional uh, indie pop, a lot like churches kind of deal. Like cool. I was listening to a lot of churches and Stevie Nicks at the time. So yeah, yeah. Stevie Nicks. Love Stevie Nicks. Someone said the other day that I looked like her, and and really? I just awesome. and instead of asking what era, I just said thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, and, and let's move along now. Um, that's really cool. I will, we'll definitely play out um, with one of your tracks. Sure. Um, that, I think that would be great. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for coming. Anytime. Hanging Any, out and anytime. talking music and wisdom. And yeah, I feel like I was so depressing on this thing, just talking about like, oh god. Yeah. But it's real. Like, if you want to be a performer, like you got to deal with the other shit that comes with it. Yeah, and, and if I you've think- been in the dressing room with anyone else, you see. People are going through stuff. Yeah. Believe me, if this were a podcast we were having three years ago, I'd be talking about much more uh, intense and fun things. But then I'd probably look back on it and be like, God damn, why did I do that? I was dick. We've had some crazy party it. time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I said the word. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, uh, Jamie, Jimmy Khan. Yeah. And um, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's listen to a song. We'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Steph. And that was Jamie Weinman. Thank you again for spending a nice Sunday afternoon hanging out with me in my home green room talking about all the things and sharing some really, really personal stories with uh, with our audience. That is growing. Thank you listeners so much for coming back week after week after week and hearing all of these artists tell their stories. Thank you to everyone at the Art Phoenix Podcast Network. Thank you, Isabella. Thank you, Adam, for the theme song that we're currently listening to. I'm still really excited about all of the other podcasts on the network that you should be listening to as well and to play us out here is a track from way back in 2008 the one that started my love affair with ghost house in early 2009 lights low now this got a nice build up right here i'd like to thank you mr khan for putting it down on this track i'm gonna put some rhymes down to get me all up on the mat
the chief. Yes, I'm the leader of my Indians. They call me speech with a purpose. I got the government nervous. I'm gonna uncover that truth beneath the surface. These verses, politicians and persons who politicking on the poor, hiding churches, mind controlled by their religion. With minds controlled by hip hop and the laws that bind the living. The vines against the giving to the children of the sun. This ghost house, baby. No, we ain't the only ones residing in dark. That's where we from. So turn them lights low, motherfuckers. Recognize the aliens. Nobody that I know no longer do this shit. Fuck on this.